Welcome to The Creative Suite, a podcast about the drive to succeed by charting your own course. We're two creative leaders, business partners, and friends who have a lot to share about starting and growing a business. We're saying no to the grind and the status quo, and yes to building businesses and lives that we love. I'm Nicole. I'm president of my strategic design and digital marketing company, BBN Agency. And I'm Lauren. I'm president of my PR and marketing firm, Queen PR. Together, we are co-hosts of the Creative Suite podcast, as well as collaborative partners at the Fort Creative Suite. We like to say we are two agencies, one roof, unlimited possibilities, offering full-service branding, marketing, and public relations. Hi there, friends. In the inbox today, we have a great question, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say, Nicole. Today's question is, how do you think through different scaling options? I think this is interesting on a few levels. A, what's your actual thought process? How do you like to think through strategy like this? Mm-hmm. And then and then B, what have you considered when you think about scaling, whether through your service delivery and or through building the team? Okay. Um, well, when thinking through strategy, whether it's scaling or, you know, creating an effective marketing plan, I think it's always important to think about your end goal. What do you want to accomplish? I start with the big picture and then I funnel down. So I want to accomplish this. Here are the steps then I have to take to get there. For me, it helps to write things down, um, then draw out charts or create spreadsheets. You know, just seeing everything laid out helps me process. Um, In terms of scaling, I say start with what is your ultimate goal for your business? Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, my goal is to create a business that supports my lifestyle. And I want to do all these things without building a big team. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, you know, big picture. Right. Right. Now, how do I accomplish that? <laughs> well, if I don't want a large team, you know, I have to find other ways to support my goals. So then I have to drill down and look at other things like processes, pricing, contractor services. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a goal to build a generational business or build something to eventually sell, you're going to have a very different path to scaling. But right. I think the one thing we can all do is start by identifying what that end goal is. Right, right. And yeah, it's like, are you scaling just to scale? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, again, I think that's, you know, we kind of get into this a little bit today, but we see what's out there and it's, you know, you can't be successful unless you've got 50 people on the team or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. I know for a fact that there's businesses out there that they might have a team of 50 and the CEO is making less than you or I are, are taking exactly. home in a year. And it's like, well, I mean, that's fine if that's what you want to do, but also why? <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, everything it's relative to what your goal is. Yeah. Like mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you want or comfortable with making that amount of money, yeah. like I think back to, um, I think, is it, I want to say Dan Price and it's that guy, he owns a company in Seattle where, you know, we talk, we think about CEOs who are making millions upon millions mm-hmm. of dollars. Well, mm-hmm. his business model is that, you know, everybody's paid no, no less than like 70,000 a year mm-hmm. to try and create that equality. So again, if that's your end goal, sure, that right. probably works. But again, don't scale just to scale because yeah. you feel that pressure to be yeah. like everybody else. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So great advice. Great advice. Begin with the end in mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yet again, my very strategic designer friend, everyone, <laughs> my spreadsheet love and designer. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> Love it. Um, well, starting with how I generally think about strategy, particularly for, well, for myself, is I'm really more of an internal processor. If I get an idea or if I'm struggling with something, I really like to mull it over on my own first, kind of kick it around and just kind of visualize how, how different scenarios might feel in my head. Then if I don't have a good gut feel for the answer or the solution, I'm very selective about who I ask for counsel because yeah. I, I want really precise feedback at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't want to add, if I'm confused, I want, I don't want to add further confusion. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you don't want somebody, when you ask people for feedback, sometimes they just feel compelled to give you feedback right. and it's like, it's not always the best feedback. <laughs> right. Or, you know, the, they're putting themselves in my shoes or they're thinking about how it's going to affect them. Like, am I asking them something that may ultimately inconvenience them if I say yes to it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if I'm taking on a huge project, you know, um, maybe that means I'm spending less time with the family or something like that. And so it's, it's difficult to get unbiased feedback sometimes. Exactly. So, so, you know, if I know someone's an expert, like, like our friend, Sarah Webb, um, mm-hmm. you know, she is our CFO buddy and um, has a bookkeeping company. And so she's the person that I called the other day when I was, I needed help because I could no longer, um, I, I could no longer manage the business finances on, on my own in, in an optimal way. I'm, I'm fine. I just, yeah. <laughs> Things get more complicated over yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. The more complicated. So I'm just, I go straight to the source. Um, or if I feel like someone who really knows me, cares about me and mm-hmm. is looking out for me, then, then like, so, you know, you and me, Nicole, like I might come to you because I'm interested in your take on what's best for me. Like, yeah. like your only dog in the hunt is my happiness. So I want to hear what you have to say about, you know, certain topics. Um, well, well, and the thing too, is finding the person who has some experience in what you're, you're going through as mm-hmm, well. Like, mm-hmm. like I, there's people in my life that I know care about me, yeah. but I have, I don't have very many friends, you know, who are entrepreneurs. Right. And so they can't relate to a lot of the struggles that I have. So again, you mm-hmm. have, you have to be careful too. Like I can go share something like with my mom, but she'll never understand because she was not, she never owned her own business. Mm-hmm. You know, what the, what those data day decisions look like, what, you know, I'm up against now again. Yeah. That's why talking to someone like you is always mm-hmm. helpful because we're in the same boat. Right. Right. You know, just paddling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as far as scaling goes, my main thought processes right now um, are around trying to explore automating as much as possible. A lot of what I do is, is so high touch and custom for the client, but I'm looking at options like automating parts of new client inquiry and onboarding or if there's something that I do every week, like a client newsletter, what about that? Can I automate? Um, these steps mean that I and my and my small team can spend much more of our time on revenue generating work instead. And, yeah. I, and I know this is something you are super focused on, Nicole, and I, I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as I can from you. <laughs> yeah. I love efficiency. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. automation is one of my jams. Like yeah. if I can, if I can find a way Yeah. Like you said, like not spend my valuable time doing something, especially if it's, it is those repetitious things. Like Mm -hmm, I -hmm. know anytime somebody sends in a contact form, they're looking, most of them are looking for the exact same information. That's a canned email and that's an auto response. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know. I mean, just one thing the other day was adding, you know, someone books, if someone is interested in working with me and they contact me via my website, it used mm-hmm. to be that they would email me and then I would have a dialogue and, you know, mm-hmm. I would send them to Acuity at that point to book a time or, or whatever. But now 
they can they fill out the request form and then they book a time right there. Yeah. And that's way easier. <laughs> we do the same thing. No, we do the same thing. We changed that last year during mm-hmm. COVID because I again, some people well, and sometimes too, like you'll go to the trouble of back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. They schedule it, then they cancel. I'm like, right. God, like I don't want our time wasted on somebody who may not be entirely serious. At least this way, there's minimal output on the front end of things they've scheduled a time we've sent out an email Mm -hmm. after they've scheduled the time that's the communication only communication that occurs until we have they get oh they get an email uh reminder there you go Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. but the day of is the first time we're talking but with that you know then we had to start thinking through okay do we how can we pre-qualify people a little bit so Mm. then there's a couple of little you know things here and there like budget is a question we ask in our contact form, mm-hmm. you know, because our original email used to say, you know, most of our projects are between this range and this range, because again, you don't want to have a conversation with somebody who has $500 to spend, but we know our minimum spend is going to be 3000. So right. again, right. just saving time, efficient yeah. efficiencies. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No. So it's, um, if I'm doing something more than twice, like, Oh, can this, uh, can this be automated? Yes. <laughs> and so, and then that way, you know, it's, it's scaling, but it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's just trying to use my time to the best of my ability. Cause there's only one of me. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, special, special me. Um, I'm also thinking through which of my services are most profitable. Um, and if there mm-hmm. are any, I need to retire. Um, so I'm just kind of loosely thinking through that right now. And then I'm just not really interested in scaling from a staffing perspective. Like we've, we talked about this a few times, um, but yeah, I, I'm happy where it is. I mean, that, I will say, you know, we, we actually haven't talked about this, Nicole, but you know, every once in a while, like now that I'm enjoying working more in the business than I used mm-hmm. to, I, I, that is something that is, is pleasurable to me, you know, thinking of new legions and, and yeah. how do I want to focus on, on, you know, in, in the business, um, you know, it's like. I, I'm starting to warm up to the idea again of, of, do I want a team that I nurture and build, but it still freaks me out. So I'm not ready for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, th- I mean, I know I'm not here to manage people. I don't think yeah. you are. We've talked oh. about that a little bit, um, <laughs> which is something to consider if you want to scale your business with staff, but you know, yeah, I feel like we could talk about this one ad nauseum. So well, maybe we ha- pick this one back up another day and probably, do a full probably. episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. But you know, for now, we'll just leave it at you know your advice with about beginning with the end in mind is is totally spot on, and and that scaling is ultimately about accomplishing more without a commensurate increase in effort. Mm-hmm. So just throwing bodies and money at it isn't actually sustainable. So you know, no. again, being thoughtful and not scaling for scaling's sake. There you go. Okay, let's talk about what's new. Before we get into this week's advice, let's take a moment to share what's new. Any big lessons this week? Any wins or not yet wins? What are you loving right now? <laughs> I'm coming in with a, a lesson. <laughs> I'm I'm also celebrating. I'm I'm um I'm celebrating recovering from a bit of a traumatic technological screw up. <laughs> God, those are the worst. <laughs> Fortunately, this one hasn't had a happy ending. I, I've had some unhappy endings. <laughs> um, well, anyway, here's the story. So a few weeks ago, we, we talked last, actually in the last episode, I think, about that I serve on the board of a local nonprofit and I'm the incoming board chair. And so the staff 
that I work with asked if I would join their Dropbox account so that I would, I would have visibility and oversight, you know, see mm-hmm. vacation requests, all that kind of stuff. Um, if we're going through a few transition items and I said, sure, no problem. I use Dropbox all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then backing up for a moment, we shared in episode six that both Nicole and I love Google Drive, but I've had Dropbox since I started my company almost five years ago. So they, we are talking about a lot of old client files, corporate documents, shared folders, personal stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I am planning on fully moving to drive, but I hadn't pulled the trigger just yet. Well, it's a process. I it, mean, yeah. And it's, I'm with you. I still have a Dropbox, you know, because sometimes clients will share things yeah. near their Dropbox and it's just a pain to then move it over. But it's getting to the point where I'm like, I, I can't keep, you know, going from one to the other back mm-hmm. and forth. It's just, it's time consuming. It is. It is. I honestly, I just, you know, my new process, I think will that everything lives in drive for, for, you know, for our client facing and, you know, corporate stuff, but you know, if someone wants to share something with Dropbox, that's fine, but I'll need to maybe replicate it into drive. But anyway, anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I will say I'm used to having people share Dropbox folders and files with me and that's, that's no big deal, but I've never had anyone add me to their account before. And, And there's a big difference between the account level and the folder level. And so I get this invite, and I, there was like a little pop-up and I just very absentmindedly accepted the invite, which included agreeing to merge the accounts. But I didn't read that because I was going quickly and I was like, yeah, yeah, add me. I um, didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. No, God, I, didn't. I mean, I no. consider myself tech savvy, but again, I don't use Dropbox day in and day out. So God, I didn't even, that, I didn't even know that was a thing. I, I didn't either. I was like, oh, must be something new. <laughs> um. And then the next thing I know, I'm getting an email from Dropbox telling me that I'm getting a refund since I canceled my account. And <laughs> I'm like, um, what now? And <laughs> I mean, I like money, but <laughs> right, right. Um, when am I canceling? <laughs> exactly. And now all of my files, all of my files are under the umbrella of this nonprofit's account. And there are just like some really deep problematic things wrong with this. I can't, yeah. have, them, I can't have them paying for my personal and corporate file storage for, for one. Yeah. <laughs> and then two, it's just like not appropriate to have my business files under another entity's domain. No. And so, I mean, I'm just immediately panicking. Um, speaking of not using your time wisely. Uh, so I, I immediately send a note to Dropbox support. You know, they're like, yeah, no problem. Here are some instructions to send to your admin. Um, they'll just remove you and then you can, you know, re-up your account and, you know, be back off to the races. I didn't have a ton of confidence. Like I kept asking clarifying questions. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. So I send the information over to the admin. I was like, it looks like you need to remove me. She says, okay, no problem. And I'm, of course, I'm apologizing because, you know, she didn't have time for this either. But anyway, she, <laughs> she accidentally deleted me. I guess. Oh, <laughs> Instead of, I guess there's a difference between removing someone and deleting oh, someone. Yeah. Because and then I just everything's gone. Dropbox oh stops. Yeah. And then Dropbox stops answering my ticket because I no longer exist to them. Yeah. I can't log in. Oh gosh. Nothing. And, and I'm trying my best. Like I feel like, you know, this is my mistake. I, I'm not, I'm really trying not to burden this overworked individual. I'm ex- exhausting all of my options, but I finally go back to them and, and I was, you know, can you check the deleted folder? Like there's just gotta be something. And she's, and she feels horrible too. So she's like, let me, you know, send me all the information and I will, I will try to get with support and see if we can do anything. 
thank goodness they pay. She was on, she's on like their business plan. Like you get tons and tons of storage and support. Like you have priority. Files like for, some, yeah. And yeah. deleted files for 180 days and all that oh, stuff. Gosh. Um, so while it wasn't in her deleted files, um, the Dropbox was able to recover my, my information and she was able to transfer everything back to me. So oh, good. <laughs> God, um, like, I feel sick for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was kind of laughing to myself this morning because as of this morning, all of, all of my, of my files have been safely returned to me. Um, mm. I'm going to have to go back to a couple clients and colleagues to ask them to reshare their folders, but that, that, I mean, that's a big deal. Um, but like this morning you and I were on a call and I was pulling up a shred spreadsheet that thank goodness I had access to again. So I could, you know, mm-hmm. report back to them as far as the project scope and everything. And it just, <laughs> I felt like, I was like petting a blankie. I was like, my files are back. My files are yeah. back. <laughs> my precious, you've returned. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I honestly, at first it was like, you know, that um, meme with the dog and the flames are around and he's like, this is fine. Like, yeah. I was like this is, this is fine. I, I was going to go to Google anyway. This is, it'll be okay. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and then for a while there, I mean, if, if there was stuff on my desktop, like it was saved my hard drive, um, mm-hmm. I still had access to some files, but if it, had, if it was only backed up in the cloud, then I didn't have it anymore, which was still a significant amount. We're talking about five years of work. Um, yeah. but the more I realized was missing, like I, I honestly have been waking up for over a week at three or four in the morning, just fretting. <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm very, very tired. But oh, they, they, they've returned home to me. Um, lesson learned. I'll be paying closer attention to pop-ups now. Um, yikes. Uh, but you know, it's, it's unforced errors like this that teach me some really big lessons about paying attention and like putting your hand right on a hot stove. I, I, you, you don't make those Mm -hmm. same mistakes twice for sure. No, God, I would have, I would have had a meltdown. I mean, in our business where documents are just so key to everything we do, it's scary to know that a simple glitch or an oopsie can just wipe out all that work we've done. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, and it's, and it made me realize how ephemeral what we do is like, it's, it's, it's all just digital, you know? Yeah. I mean, yes, some things might be on a billboard or something's printed or whatever, but our bread and butter is intellectual ones and zeros. <laughs> yes. No, I, I know. I think back to like the days where like agencies would have hard copies of things and mm-hmm. file folders. And I was like, no, we like, like, that's just not the world we live in anymore. And no, again, and it wouldn't have helped me all that much. I mean, yeah, I might've had some stuff printed out, you know, for, I mean, up until pre COVID I, I did, I did have some folders, you know, with, with meeting reports or final files or whatever, but ultimately that still doesn't help me. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, no, that's one thing I'll say too. I, we tried to uh, make sure, make it a point to tell all of our clients when we send you something, download a copy for yourself. Yeah. So for instance, like logo files and things like that, I cannot be responsible for things like this happening. Yeah. So if you make sure you have a copy of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I know I it's a little different with yours, but well, but even still, I mean, like the brand message guides that I do, or, mm-hmm. you know, if I give someone stock photos or something like that, like it can't all be on me, you know, I'm, um, yeah. I, I probably need to maybe retool some contracts. I mean, it, it did, it did make me feel very nauseous about, mm-hmm. oh, um, I guess I'll be coming through emails for final documents and all that. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, pay attention wild. to pop-ups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, um, 
now on to, I guess what I'm loving, um, house buying, um, not, not really, but oh. you know, um, y'all, this is stressful. Uh, I know everyone says that the process is one of the more trying experiences of your life. Yeah. I'm here to con- tell you, I concur, like, mm-hmm. especially as two self-employed individuals, my husband and I, mm-hmm. it is a real whooping. Okay. Yeah. We're pulling together like ungodly amounts of paperwork. I have to do, uh, pull things for like personal, from personal finances, the business, like I'm talking back and forth with the lender. It's just, it's things like this that just tie my stomach up in knots. Mm -hmm. That's my, like, I'm waking up at 3am like Mm you (laughs) Um, (laughs) thinking about all the things that I have to get done. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, um, I am loving the packing process. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I find it extremely satisfying and cathartic. Yep. Um, I love putting things into boxes, purging the things that I should have thrown out years ago. <laughs> and I am especially loving the furniture buying process. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I take my design mood boards that I do for, you know, uh, logo projects and mm-hmm. I like to create furniture ones. So I'm nice. creating ones for all the rooms in the house. And then scouring all the different websites to find the perfect pieces. I I, I just I really love it. So there is so excited to come over. <laughs> yeah, it might take a while because God, yeah. surprisingly, right now furniture, mm. you know, is yep. your it's delivery is months out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've heard that. Like our couch is not going to be here till I think mid October. Wow. Um, yeah. Like the dresser I'm looking at for our mass, our main bedroom is going to be, I think October. So I may source something different for that, but yeah, some of the other things like rugs, things like that, I get here pretty quickly, but it's like the big pieces of furniture. And I'm like, so I might have my house put together by Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we could, we do all this and I'm like excited to start entertaining people, I know, um, which I haven't really done in our current house. And I'm like, well, but it's still, it feels like it's going to be months away because I want to get the house just perfect. So. But we'll I understand. Well, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, a lot of it has to do with COVID, but the first time I really had some folks over was this week. I had probably eight moms from my daughter's school come over for a mm-hmm. rosé and swimming party, just moms. Um, and I was so happy the whole time. <laughs> it's like, my yeah. heart is so happy. This, this is why we bought this house. We want to entertain and have people mm-hmm. over. <clears throat> it, was, yeah. it was really, it was really sweet. And I, I can't wait to do it again. And as soon as you're cleared for swimming pool, you're coming over. <laughs> oh, I'm clear. I'm just not, oh. I don't, I don't know. I still have this kind of like mental block about certain things sure. with my leg. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Cliff thinks that swimming would be good for me though. So yeah, I think so. Let's do some laps. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll <laughs> well, I've just been afraid to do it in public places because I'm on the crutches. I have to take mm. off my boot. Like I just, it feels like this whole production mm. just to get in the pool, but your yeah. house, I think I'd be fine. Yes, it's just you and me. Yes. <laughs> like shedding this, yeah. this husk off your leg. <laughs> I won't judge you. I just come on over and play with me. <laughs> so for this week's tip, we want to encourage you to think about whether the status quo always been done this way works for you. Specifically, we're going to talk about what we saw traditional agencies doing that we consciously opted out of as we started our companies and continue to grow them. Nicole, we had different agency experiences, but we end up in similar places. Why don't you start us off? The first thing that came to mind when we 
started kind of brainstorming on this episode uh, mm-hmm. was culture. Uh, yeah. Company culture is a big thing for me. I've mm-hmm. worked in some really toxic places where, you know, employees didn't feel valued. You were overworked, underpaid. You always mm-hmm. felt like someone was looking over your shoulder. It was like, mm-hmm. you're just punching a clock. Yeah. Um, so when I started BBN and decided to grow beyond just myself, I made a commitment to create an environment where everyone feels valued and championed. I want mm-hmm. people to walk in the door, whether it's, you know, physically or just, you know, digitally mm-hmm. walk in the door every boot day, up the laptop. Boot up the laptop, yeah, <laughs> and feel excited uh, to go to do work, you know, mm-hmm. to do the work that we're doing to, you know, come to meetings as a team and all mm-hmm. of that. And not just feeling like the sense of dread, which is what I used to feel going into work. Right. Um, the other thing I wanted was to make sure we were a family friendly place. Um, Mm -hmm. as I started BBN, I know we've talked about, um, I was, I was in the middle of having kids. I think, Mm -hmm. um, I started freelancing seriously with our first. And then by the time I left my last agency and started out on my own, I was having our second. Mm -hmm. So I wanted a place that, you know, if you need to take a day for family matters, your kid is sick, you have to go to a funeral. Um, a few years ago, my mom had cancer and right. I had to spend all of my PTO on, you know, go, taking her to doctor's appointments. And you don't want to feel like you're just not supported in that, mm-hmm. you know, you want to feel like I can be there for that, for that person, for my kid, what my parent, whatever it is. Um, so that's something that's really important to me. Um, along the kind of the same lines is paid maternity leave. Right. You know, I had to take, yeah, I had to take my entire vacation, um, just to make enough to pay for our medical, you know, that was coming out of my check each month. So for me, um, granted, I only have one W2 right now, but paid maternity leave is something that's important to me and that I Mm want to, you know, carry on into the future. Absolutely. Um, giving team members a voice. Uh, I think that's an integral part of company culture. If team members, you know, and, and kind of goes hand in hand with feeling valued and supported. If mm-hmm. They don't feel like they have a voice in the company, whether, you know, that's, Hey, I didn't, this client was rude to me. I don't feel comfortable working with mm-hmm. them or, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, like, I don't like working on these kind of projects. Can I maybe work on something else? Like, I want people to feel comfortable to give that kind of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, our team regularly f- reviews projects, looks at what worked, what didn't work. Do we want to continue working with this person? Mm-hmm. Um, the other, next thing was work-life balance. I want my team to leave work at the door as much as possible, mm-hmm. you know, with contractors, remote work kind of blurs that line, but yeah. I hope that even they feel like they can put things down at the end of the day, pick it back up the next day. Don't feel just, you know, driven by deadlines and all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Want the gist of it is I want everyone who works for me to enjoy what they do, want to keep doing it. Um, employees and contractors are vital to your business. So you need to treat them well. And that's Absolutely. one thing I have not seen in a lot of other places. So, right. Right. Uh, the next big one was taking or keeping clients for money. Um, working from a place of scarcity is a big no for me. It's something mm-hmm. I have to continually work on, but <laughs> it is a big no for me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, taking those red flag clients just to pay the bills with something is something that I try not to do. I've had multiple experiences where employers took on clients where, you know, from the first meeting, the client 
made the staff feel uneasy and and just was a whole, you you know just exuded horribleness <laughs> like yeah. I don't know how to better say yeah yeah but they took it because they needed the money and mm-hmm. they went on to make the project extremely difficult it it, it lowered our agency's morale mm-hmm. so again that's a big no for me right. I I will never tolerate clients who are disrespectful to my team Mm-mm. just to make it all make a buck you know. <laughs> That again, that feeds back into your culture. I would rather take a hit on my bottom line temporarily and then go back out, you know, and find a new client to replace them. Absolutely. So, um, offering services just to remain competitive. Um, time and time again, in places I've worked, but just uh, observing, you know, others around other agencies around me, mm-hmm. I see people tacking on a service saying yes oh yeah I can do that yep yep. and they have never offered it in the entire history of their company Mm -hmm. and I'm all about like learning new things and trying new things but I know what I'm good at I know what my team is good at and I feel like a lot of people will just say yes we can do x service when really they can't they don't have the staff they don't have the capability to actually help the client again you know they just want the business Mm -hmm. but that doesn't serve the client well and I would have a really hard time sleeping at night if I just took people's money and knew I couldn't do the job well. Right. You know, who cares if they go to someone else, as Lauren likes to say, every pot has a cover. (laughs) It's not always going to be you. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if it's one thing on a long list of services that they need and we can provide all that other stuff, I'll just simply tell the client I can do X, Y, and Z, but I'm going to have to find somebody to help us with this. Mm -hmm. And that's where um, strategic partnerships have come in handy. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember, um, oh, like 10, 15 years ago, all of a sudden all the ad agencies in town started saying that they started, they were, we now have public relations come to us for PR. And mm-hmm. I remember I was with, um, my PR firm at uh, another PR firm at the time. And we we're looking at each other, like, what are they talking about? So there's maybe like an intern yeah. there doing, doing it. I mean, some of them have mm-hmm. built up their programs a little bit more, but it was, it wasn't so much threatening as it was just annoying, you know, um, yeah. kind of like we, we could totally work together, like outsource that one piece. We don't want the ad billings, you know, we don't, we don't want the, mm-hmm. the big billboard campaigns and all that, but, um, it was, it was annoying for sure. Yeah. I saw the same thing when social media came to prominence, you know, mm-hmm. like 10 years, well, almost 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, um, the place where I was working all of a sudden had a social media department. And I was like, yeah. wait, who is running said social media department? <laughs> oh, hey, Nicole, you know how to use Facebook. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, like for personal reasons, like that doesn't mm-hmm. translate into right. using it for marketing your business. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but you obviously figured yeah. that out. <laughs> I obviously <laughs> figured it out at a, yeah, at a necessity. Um, and it has now come in handy, but at the time it was like, I just don't feel right again, taking people's money for doing probably a half-assed job, mm-hmm. you know, I want to feel confident in what I'm providing to people. So. Absolutely. Um, the final one I came up with was overshadowing my clients. <laughs> Lauren's going to giggle. Because so, this is so good. This is so oh, good. <laughs> we talk about this one a lot. And some of my more petty moments have come out of this one. <laughs> so, anyway, um, I am not in the business, in this business for attention. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren and I are both 
very adamant that we are behind the scenes kind of people. Our mm-hmm. clients come first, our egos come way last. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, we do have to put ourselves out there sometimes. Um, you know, we have to, I have to put a photo up on Instagram because people want to know who's behind the business. You know, you have to build that like, no trust factor with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you are promoting yourself more than your clients, their <laughs> needs, their pain points, you are in the business for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. as they say on The Bachelorette. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like this one is, this is mm-hmm. one of those ones like I I, I could go off on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it classy. I'm going to end it there and just say clients over clout. You have to come to lunch with us for the rest of that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and honestly, you know, as far as like client red flags go, oh wait, that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. Tune in next week. <laughs> next week. Sorry. We haven't eaten lunch yet in this place. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. That was beautiful. Good job. Yep. <laughs> oh, how about you? Today. Yeah. Well, my, my top no thank yous were around like staffing and culture too. I mean, honestly, a lot of yours are, are like we said, are super similar. Um, well, I think you know. again, that's a lot of the reason why we bonded, right. you know, was over some of these shared experiences and mm-hmm, what we want, mm-hmm. the lessons we learned from them. Right. Right. Um, I would say my first agency experience was a very positive one, you know, it wasn't exactly how I want to run my company now, but you know, I still mm-hmm. took a lot of good out of it, but there were some lessons I learned too. Um, my next job was also was toxic at times also. And so, you know, it, it's, while it's hard to go through those, those experiences, they are very clarifying too. So, you know, yeah. we, I wouldn't take them back necessarily, but, um, but wouldn't well, go back either. <laughs> no, exactly. Not going to go back. Um, so yeah, you, you know, you already heard us talk about the team of our dreams in episode four, but I'll reiterate here that I have no W2s. I have two, and then I think soon to be three contractors or contract teams on retainer, but everyone else is just a project-based contractor, which helps me stay lean and control margins for now. I just, and I just don't want to be in a position where, you know, like you were saying, Nicole, like where you have to take work that's a bad fit just to make payroll. Um, Mm -hmm. I've, I've been through that in a former role and it is so stressful and soul crushing of, you know, you're moving money around from lines of credit and, um, Mm -hmm. or you're, um, or you're, or you're taking the people that, that have all the red flags that we'll talk about next week's episode. Um, and you know, you know, it's just, it's not a fit and no one likes their job. Um, and, and just life is too short. You know, I think that's one of the things that has been really clarifying over my career is that life is short and that I don't want to be serving some butthead and then I get hit by a bus and, you know, my last day was spent working on working mm-hmm. for a jerk and doing work I'm not proud of. Um, you know, I'd rather go home early <laughs> and make yeah. a little month, less that month than, than take on something that's not, not a fit. Um, yeah. I also just don't think a big team means that much. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that having a team of 50 says anything all that important. Um, no. you know, I think it's, in, go ahead. I was just gonna say growing big like that in terms of employee size just comes with a, set, a whole set of its own inherent challenges. And I think right. most people are not ready to handle those 
and tackle them as they come. Mm-hmm. They're, they're always ill-prepared for that. And mm-hmm. so you're, you know, you're like growing quickly, growing quickly. And then here you go, you, you have 50 employees and you, half of these people have never managed people before yeah. they, you know, I, there's just, there's just so many challenges with it. And, but it was all just because you wanted that number. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Right. Or you're, you're taking on whatever work you can get. You need human beings to be on the team to serve them, but you know, you've never, like you didn't build the culture from the get-go. And so, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone's on the same page. People aren't happy. I mean, and I'm not the yeah. same big teams are always unhappy. Um, no, I, I mean, that wouldn't be fair, but um, I'm just saying like, I just don't think a big team means as much as the status quo would like you to believe. Yes. Um, and then, you know, for me, whatever I need or a client needs, I can add to the team on, on demand, which is ideal because, and it's better for the client too, because they're not paying for overhead. They're just paying for exactly what they need, Mm -hmm. um, or, or what we decide together that they need. They're just paying for deliverables. And I think, um, you know, some savvy business owners know that when they go into a big agency that like, okay, I might be purchasing a, like, I want to invest in a campaign, but what I'm really paying for is the 70% of the team that's not even working on this campaign. Yeah. <laughs> um, so well, yeah, and then to- that's when you get into situations where the client is then, you know, looking for the discount and mm-hmm. it's like, you end up pulling things out that like the strategy ends up coming out of something, you know, because mm-hmm. you're trying to fit that budget in order to get that client to pay for your team and all yeah. that. So it just, it, 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 it's all, it all spirals and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's kind of feeds off itself. Um, and so, yeah, the mm-hmm. next thing, big thing with, for me was culture too. Um, I'm a hard worker and Nicole's very evident worth work ethic was what drew me to her back in 2017. Like I could just tell how hard she was hustling and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. we're two peas in a pot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't believe in busy work. No. And I don't believe in putting in desk time just for appearances. I want people to have lives, to love the work they do, and to take on the projects that they enjoy and want to do. Um, you know, I don't want people, I, I don't believe in glorifying grind culture and never resting. I, I, I believe in getting the job done, but I'm not a heart surgeon either. So, you know, if if we need some extra time and the, we can mess with the deadlines because you're burnt out or whatever, then we can mm-hmm. talk about it. Um uh, but I believe in rest. I believe in family and friend time. I believe in vacation. I believe in creating the life that you love. Um, I, I, you know, you hear the horror stories about people having to sit at their desks until 10 o'clock at night, just because the boss doesn't want to go home. Yeah. And so they're no, not, I've they're been, not been there. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that was you, Yeah. <laughs> but that just makes me want to pull my hair out. I mean, that is, that is such a horrible way to live and work. And I just say, no, thank you. Yeah. No, I, Yeah. Like I said, I've been through that. I've been the employee who's sitting there till seven or eight o'clock at night. And here's my thing. The occasional late night does not matter Right. when it becomes months long. And when your employer shows absolutely no gratitude for the job that you're doing and really just seems oblivious to what is going on, despite the fact that you're telling them that I'm Mm -hmm. here every night till seven or eight working on this, I need help. That's where, you know, your dissatisfied employees come in, you have people who are jumping ship. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, I think at the end of the day, be in tune with your employees, you know, like understand their needs. Like you want all those things. You want to 
take rest, you want to have family and friend time. So do they. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, what's the, the platinum rule <laughs> treat people, how they want to be treated. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to recap, we really encourage you to think about what you really want, what's important to you, write it down, put pen to paper. You deserve the type of business and the life that you want. And if it looks nothing like our businesses, that's great. You are the boss. Applesauce. (laughs) Even better, (laughs) tell us about it. Email us at hello at thecreativesuitepod.com. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to The Creative Suite. Do you have a question for us? Email hello at thecreativesweetpod.com or slide into our DMs over at The Creative Suite Pod on Instagram or Facebook and we'll answer it in a future episode. I'm Nicole. And I'm Lauren. Now go out there and chase your dreams creatively.